Hi everyone, welcome back to the Couch Potato Coach Podcast. This is Coach Megan, and today I'm going to be talking about getting to know yourself. I'm going to share some techniques that helped me figure out what it was that I liked, what I desired, what I took pleasure in outside of who I had practiced being for so long in order to gain acceptance from the people around me. That might sound simple, but for me, it took a full year and I will get into why. Today, I'm not focusing on a particular book or article. I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, Sort of a couple of years ago, I decided that I needed to pause on my learning so I could learn how to apply the material to me. So Tony Robbins is someone who I was following in my early personal development days, and he's huge in the PD world. He preaches this idea that all you need to do is take massive, immediate action, and that will lead to the change that you want. And while I don't disagree with the concept in general, I just kept finding out over and over, I could only take massive action for a short period of time before returning to my old habits. It wasn't sticking for me. And I used that as proof that I was defective. I would tell myself, if only I wasn't so lazy, I could follow through with the program and I would finally see results. And I did this for a couple of years and then just kind of looked up and realized it wasn't working. I needed to know what was going to work for me personally and needed to figure out why doing all of the things I was quote unquote supposed to be doing was leaving me more tired, more burned out, and more frustrated than when I was simply numbing on the couch. And I remember I got this idea to stop and pause when I was writing out my New Year's resolutions at the end of the year. Like many others, I would lay out with utter resolve and determination all the things I was going to change in the coming year. My resolutions were always well thought out and intentional, chock full of all the guidance I had swallowed the year prior. They may work for other people, but for me, they never did anything but provide a fresh round of disappointment after I stopped following through. I had a full schedule. It was super busy, super productive, just how it quote unquote should be. And it included things like eating healthy and working out several times a week, meditating every day, doing a gratitude journal every morning, getting up at 5.30 a.m., no alcohol, no dairy. I mean, I was employing all of the tips and tricks I'd learned along the way. The problem was none of these things I was doing was helping with my base level of happiness. I still felt burnt out and unfulfilled. I do know I was receiving some health benefits, but the schedule was leaving me feeling more frazzled, burned out, and more prone to practice and seek out numbing activities than before. It was as if doing all of the things was actually making me feel worse. And since none of these activities filled my desire to improve my base level of happiness, eventually they all fizzled out. I stopped eating right when it became too mundane and boring. I no longer had the time to meditate every day. I started drinking wine again because I decided my detox had been long enough. I stopped training for that half marathon because I was too busy and that gym membership was all of a sudden too expensive. As my New Year's resolutions faded away and old habits returned, all this did was reinforce my belief that I was flawed and maybe if I wasn't, then I could stick with those resolutions. So setting out to conquer my New Year's resolutions was toxic to me and I just made the decision to knock it off. I realized although I had all of this great information about what actions to take to improve my life, I didn't know which activities to prioritize. I didn't know 
what was going to be the best one for me. I felt directionless. Quick sidebar, I do think it's extremely important to pause and reflect, to follow goals, and to be intentional. My process for this just looks different than the average, the norm, New Year's resolutions. I actually do it in February, and I'm sure I'll make a podcast and describe this in more detail around that February timeframe. So the reason that New Year's resolutions were so toxic for me was because I had skipped two fundamental building blocks, and that's, I'm convinced, where we should start when we think about life off the couch. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. All I knew was that I was done setting myself up for failure. I was not going to do another year that way, and I made the choice to do a solid year of simply paying attention. No exercise plan, no alarms going off to remind me to do my meditation practice, no jogging outside in January, The only thing I had to do was pay attention to how I felt and follow the things that brought me more energy. In other words, I was just seeking out to get to know myself a little bit better and learn about what I liked and what I didn't. It was from this process of simply paying attention to myself and my needs, my preferences and wants that I started to figure out who I was. I started to figure out where I needed to focus and which activities fostered my personal growth. I'm just going to refer to this as the observation phase. If you have trouble naming your favorite movie, favorite song, favorite food right off the top of your head or without difficulty, then I think this phase is a good starting place for you. I wanted to jump right into action and do my way out of my sad feelings. I thought if I did the things well enough, that would make all the bad thoughts I had about myself go away. I believe that if I did the things I would be happy. And what I learned is that you need to know which things to do. And there are a million different personal development methodologies and loads and loads of advice about what things humans should do to lead a fulfilling life. And I'm just calling bullshit on all of that. There's no one like you. And according to a very quick Google search, the odds of you actually being here on this planet are one in 400 trillion bullshit that there's a plan out there that can tell you exactly which activities you need to do in any given day or week or year to lead to fulfillment and joy. Only you can come up with that unique equation and you have to know who you are to do it. Practicing observation sounds easy, but it can be quite challenging. We're experts at hiding from ourselves. It's a protection thing. Um, And us humans, we're weird. We can tie emotions to things even when it doesn't make sense. And I have a perfect example of this. So for some reason in our area, it's very hard to find a photographer. A lot of people will say that they'll take your picture and either they never return your message or they cancel the appointment last minute um, or their prices are just astronomical. So there is a very well-known photographer in my area and they're great with kids and newborns. And when my daughter was born, I really wanted newborn pictures of her. I reached out to this photographer and she was super sweet about getting me on the schedule. And I, after I had my daughter, I was just a mess. Her birth was taxing. I was left very anemic, which makes you just feel super out of it. Almost like you're in a dream, but you're actually awake. And anyway, all that to say, I ended up canceling on my session very last minute. I think I was like 10 minutes (laughs) away. So I was just super ashamed of this and there was a lot of mom guilt I had about not having newborn pictures of my daughter. 
Now, my daughter's two years old now, and I've wanted professional pictures of her ever since. And I basically, I think I waited long enough that I thought maybe the photographer would have forgotten all about me and I could face her without bursting into tears about my shortcomings. I, I know, I know how ridiculous this sounds. I can see your faces now with your judgy looks, but I also know that there's likely a person or a store that you avoid because it's representative of some shameful moment in your life. Ghosting is a very real thing for a reason. We don't like to feel our feelings and feel uncomfortable. So we avoid the entire situation and we can pretend it never happened. I know, I know it's silly to feel bad about, you know, not having newborn pictures of my daughter. And I also can't talk myself out of my feelings. And it took me a good two years to get to a point where I felt comfortable enough to put myself back in that situation. So imagine how much more difficult this would be with a situation that had much higher stakes. When you're dealing with a situation that involves a family member, a spouse, a significant other, um, the emotion toll is so much higher. And all of that is to simply provide some context because the hardest person in the world, the absolute hardest person to confront is yourself. You're never more emotionally charged than when it comes to dealing with parts of yourself that you would rather not deal with. And this is why it's abundantly clear to everyone else around you what your areas for growth are, but it can feel like an ambush sneak surprise attack when we're simply offered feedback from someone else. We're so close to the situation, we're unable to see past the emotion that's get triggered, and we end up swathed in this emotion as a means of protection so we don't have to come face to face with parts of ourselves that make us uncomfortable. And to make this a little easier, I'm going to give you three guidelines for practicing observation. Where do you spend your time? What do you spend your money on? And who do you spend your time with? If you can answer those questions honestly, you've just found out what's important to you. You may not like the answer. And this is where I see Sharon from Ted Lasso saying, the truth will set you free but first it'll piss you off. You may be forced to confront some of your hypocrisies. I know I was. Going back to my example of dodging the photographer, I know from my feeling of shame that I reacted with such emotion because I felt like I failed my daughter and that I'm not a good mom because good moms get their daughters to newborn pictures. Whew, that escalated quickly. Yes, humans are weird. We can take everyday experiences, as simple and small as the example I just gave, and use it to reinforce beliefs about ourselves. My fear that I'm defective and one big failure in life show up in these small examples, like because I couldn't get my daughter to newborn pictures. Now, I do know this is not true. I was able to confront those feelings and move through them and contradict this very inaccurate belief that had come up. You see, I, I can only get to my fear and see the underlying belief because I've had a lot of practice. It may seem like this was an easy to understand situation with an easy conclusion, but I promise if you try this out in your own life, your mind will be blown. When I used the observation method to look around, it forced me to take accountability for my actions. It forced me to reckon with who I had become versus the false sense of identity I had in place in my mind. And when I took stock of my life and realized what was truly important to me, it was painful. Um, 
I realized that being a mom was more important to me than anything else. It took priority over everything else, which I can tell you will come as a shock to people who know me. I do love being a mom, but I'm very independent. I have no problem leaving my kids with a sitter. I have no problem heading out to work for the day, for a date night, meeting a friend for lunch. This is not a glaringly obvious detail in my life. And it's, it also wasn't just a positive thing. People are complicated. The situation was complex. When I looked at how I had prioritized being a mom over anything else, I was forced to reckon with the fact that it meant I chose to have kids over financial stability, over career success, over what I mean when I said that being a mom was the most important thing to me, more important than anything else. I hadn't realized in my mind that thing in particular was important enough that I chose an irresponsible way to go about it. But I did. And that realization freed me up to look around and offer fair assessment to other areas of my life as well. I wasn't stuck in the emotional shame of, I wasn't judging myself for what had happened. I was able to see things just for what they were. And once I was there, I was able to allow myself to determine, okay, what areas need to grow and change for me to be happy? Um, And I know this is starting to get out there, so I'll give you an example. I was surprised by what I learned about my career. I've been in property management for a little over a decade now, and I had to acknowledge that I had not been actively pursuing growth within my career, ever. I was passively allowing the job field I had fallen into just carry me along. And there isn't actually anything wrong with doing things this way. It was only wrong for me because for the entire decade I've been doing this work, I've known I wanted to develop myself so much further to be a lot more experienced and skilled by this point. And I have not actively pursued that goal. An observation led me to this realization and it was a difficult one. When I looked at the decisions I'd made in the past with eyes free from emotional protection, I was able to clearly see this. And to be honest, there was a lot of pain. In my mind, I had always seen someone who was fairly successful in their career. But in reality, I think I had held off on pursuing that wholeheartedly because I was focused first and foremost on being a mom. And somewhere along the way, I had internalized this message that I couldn't have both a successful and a fulfilling career and be a mom. Keep in mind, this wasn't a conscious thing. How it manifested was I felt purposeless at work. I felt unfulfilled. I felt embarrassed and ashamed when I was introduced to someone and had to tell them what I did. I felt a sense of dread when I got up in the morning and had to go to work. I felt listless when I was at work and unmotivated. All of these feelings were sitting there taking up my energy and standing directly in the way of my progress. And once I realized this was the source of my suffering, then I was able to start to employ all those action strategies I had learned along from the books and the podcasts. At work, I just had a new perspective. I asked myself what projects I could volunteer for to develop my skill set. I took on additional work so I could learn new things. I offered to fill in for a teammate out on maternity leave. I treated every single client that I came in contact with as my most important client. And I've been employing these strategies. I'm still learning and growing in this area a lot, 
Nothing has changed with my job description. I'm still an assistant property manager, but I can tell you, I can tell you, I genuinely feel joy, creativity, and fulfillment for my job. I'm looking forward to continuing down this path and seeing what's in store for me. It all started just by observation. And I would try not to put a timeline on this observation phase. I think for some people it might take two weeks and for someone else it could take five years. I don't believe we allow ourselves to experience truths we can't handle. So it might take some time for you to get there. And if you're really stuck with this one and you aren't uncovering any truths or getting anywhere, then something is in your way and I would recommend working with a therapist. Um, I worked with one and I still reach out to her from time to time if I'm really feeling stuck. She was a huge facilitator for change in my life and she really developed this, this skill set that I have of being able to manage my emotions effectively. That's what therapy did for me. On to the second step. Now that you have all these realization from the observation phase about who you are and what you like, what do you do? Well, the second step is identify. Do you know what your core character traits are? Do you know what your values are? From listening to Brene Brown's podcast, her and all of her guests seem to have values and know exactly what they are. And I can tell you right now, I don't think more than 5% of the people that I know have taken the time to identify their values. And this is so important. How can you figure out what direction to take if you don't have a compass? I would get so hung up on inaction because I couldn't figure out which course of action was the best for me. I was really good, I still am, really good at arguing both sides. And without knowing what your values are, you're kind of going to be chasing your tail. Now, when you think about your core character traits, that's just going to be things that are inherently natural to you. Sort of think of, oh, what's what's James like? James is... He's fun and he's creative and he's really funny, stuff like that. So for example, some of my core character traits are I'm curious, I'm creative, I'm courageous, I'm nurturing, I'm caring, I'm spiritual. You can kind of go down the list and I will say if you're going to do this and ask yourself what are some of your core character traits, it doesn't benefit you in any way to list the negative ones. The focus here is going to be on positive character traits within yourself. And then from the character traits, I sort of segue into, do you know what your values are? And these are your highest intentions in any situation. So they kind of guide you. They're going to offer growth for you. Um, I can give you an example. My values are I value growth. I value acceptance. I value exceeding expectations, I value being thoughtful, and I value resilience. Those are just some examples to hopefully get you started on what your core character traits are and what your values are and how that can play out in your life. I don't think it's enough to just simply state what these are. I think you need to actually work on how do I put these values into practice within my life. So for example, if I'm saying growth is one of my values, then at work, I'm going to be seeking to, gr- to grow my skill set. If I'm saying one of my values is acceptance, then in my work context, I'm going to seek to accept every single person there as they are. 
If I value exceeding expectations, then at work, I'm going to say, I'm going to be asking myself proactively, what's the expectation here? How can I take that a step further? What else can I do that will really blow this out of the water? So that's sort of how you can take your values and practically put them into a situation. And you can employ that across all situations of your life. So if I say I value growth and I need to exercise, then what are the things I need to do in my particular life for me to grow my exercise self? So I'm saying, okay, I don't really exercise at all right now, so I'm just going to do yoga once a week. And that might be perfect for my situation. It's not the three to five times a week that the health experts out there recommend that you do, but it is perfectly acceptable within my core characteristics and my values to start there. Start with what makes sense for you. That's your baseline. And once you have your baseline established, then you can work from there and really see what happens. I hope that was helpful information. This method that I use of observation and identify really freed me to figure out how to employ all of these strategies I was learning through these personal development books and podcasts and all of the information I was gathering. So I hope that's a helpful starting place for you, especially if you've struggled with New Year's resolutions for years like I did. Once I was able to do this, so now I had observed who I was and I had figured out what was important to me, I was able to put a lot of things in motion that I had never been able to figure out before. And it's really led to some exciting changes within my life and I'm really poised for this very exciting time and I'm probably no I I I am more excited now than I have been in a decade I think I can credit my base level of happiness more than anything I was able to move the needle on the negative thoughts in my head they no longer define who I am and I'm no longer nearly as emotionally reactive as I was before, which means I'm free to proactively choose how I want to live my life. Last episode, I asked you to practice going to the balcony. And if you've been trying that, then you are poised perfectly to try out observation. The challenge for this episode is to employ the observation strategy in your life And all I want you to do for the next month is what feels good and take note of that. As a bonus, schedule something fun that you've been meaning to try. And don't do anything just because you should do it. Do it for the sheer joy of doing it. And if it doesn't bring you joy, then don't do it. I will add the disclaimer here. This only applies to optional activities. Feeding your children is not an optional activity. And... For most of us, neither is going to work. You feel me? So for the entire next month, I free you of any guilt or shame and give you permission to simply do what feels good. Enjoy. That's all for me today. As always, more than anything else, I just want you to know that you aren't alone. Please come and listen to my voice anytime you need a reminder of that.